This episode of Tend Her Wild is being sponsored by Revival in downtown Iowa City. Revival is a woman-owned apparel and clothing store for women with a curated selection of new and used vintage clothing. A place where a group of badass ladies can help you own your own personal expression no matter the budget. Revival is independently owned and operated by Sheila Davison, who is a fierce advocate for women's health rights. We love you, Sheila. Inspired by the question, we ask each of our guests, we partnered with local jewelry designer Made Community to create a special earring design called the Door Collection. You can find these pieces in store or online at Revival, Iowa City this season. Which door did you go through to become a wild woman? You can wear the earrings that match that. Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. Hello, Tend Her Wild listeners. Welcome. Today's episode is all about the midlife crisis. Or what we want to call the midlife midlife awakening. Yes, we're retitling it today. Um, We're going to dig into this period of time that we all go through and our own talk about some of our own experiences and really what it means for all of us in terms of rewilding because it's very interrelated. Absolutely. So Welcome. Thanks, Kate. I'm excited about this conversation. I am too. I've been in one for the last um, <clears throat> probably nine years, so I'm I'm ready to <laughs> yeah to chat more about it. Yeah. So I we I thought I would start with just a quote from Brene Brown. Love Brene. Yeah. Love Brene. Please. She she talks about midlife in this way. Midlife is when the universe gently places her hands upon your shoulders, pulls you close, and whispers in your ear. I'm not screwing around. All of this pretending and performing, these coping mechanisms that you've developed to protect yourself from feeling inadequate and getting hurt have to go. Your armor is preventing you from growing into your gifts. I understand you needed these protections when you were small. I understand that you believed your armor could help you secure all of the things you needed to feel worthy and lovable, but you're still searching and you're more lost than ever. Time is growing short. There are unexplored adventures ahead of you. You can't live the rest of your life worried about what other people think. You were born worthy of love and belonging. Courage and daring are cursing through your veins. You were made to live and love with your whole heart. It's time to show up and be seen. Hmm. Renee always knows how to bring it, doesn't she? Really she does. Mm. Yeah, and she really encourages us to not think of it as a crisis because a crisis is like an event. Right. This is a period of time. Yeah. Well, my I have a favorite book that we'll put in the show notes. It's called Hidden Blessings, Midlife Crisis as a Spiritual Awakening. It's by an author named Jet Saris. And she opened my eyes to the idea, just like you said, that the midlife crisis isn't one event, but it's a, it's a period of time. 
And she says it's 10 to 12 years. Yeah. 10 it's to 12 years. It's a full decade. <sighs> so I know mine started around 39 and I'm 48 right now. So I'm like, okay, do I have three years to go? <laughs> am, I, am I almost to the end? <laughs> have I almost made it? So it is, it's a long process. And I'm so glad we're talking about this today because I actually don't think people talk about it. Mm-mm. Like we have the joke, but it's often, have you noticed directed towards men who buy a sports car or um, have an affair or do something like it's often we talk about in fact my dad bought a red sports car when he was in his 40s and my mom always said oh it's his midlife crisis and so that's always been in my brain and our our producer was saying that her mom is ready to sell her Camaro. And I'm like, how old is she? And she's like, oh, she's 56. I'm Uh like, okay, she's out of it. She's ready to get rid of the sports car. So we do, we do talk about these events and we sort of make fun of it. But like the, the idea that it is a process, it's normal. I think everyone goes through it, whether you acknowledge it or not. And I hope what we can do today is normalize it and help people understand that whatever they're navigating is actually quite common. Absolutely. I think we've all, I think you and I have both talked about this, this process for one another and how it, it is, it is happening for women and we tend to not we talk about it less with yeah. one another. We suffer in silence. Where yeah, we, because we're supposed to have our <clears throat> shit together. Yeah. We're supposed to be perfect. We can't mess up. And so we're scared to share vulnerabilities around like, I'm really struggling with right now with feeling like I'm stuck in a box or I want something more or I want to leave my relationship or I need a different job or, yeah. you know, we don't, we don't go there as much as I think we could. And if we know this is a normal phase to take us somewhere better... It's the awakening. It's the awakening. We might be more willing to acknowledge all the pain and the challenge that this period sometimes brings. And Brene calls it the unraveling to the The midlife unraveling unraveling of all the things that we've built up thinking that, you know, we needed all of that. We needed, you know, we've been doing the mothering. We've been doing the career. We've been doing the perfectionism and all the things we were supposed to do. And you get to a place, and I've certainly felt this, where you're like, okay, this is it. This yeah. is my last, this, this is, I'm, it's going to, this is going to be the end. I'm going to do everything the same like this mm-hmm. for the rest of, of my life. And I think 50 for me was a huge hurdle. I mean, my awakening started earlier, but 50 really was like, wow. But I think that is the key phrase of the midlife awakening period of time. Is this it? This is it. Is this enough? Mm-hmm. Like the, it's pretty good, but isn't there more? And there's there is some shame or guilt around. I shouldn't want more. I should right. just be happy, especially for women. I know. But so I men buy a sports car. Mm-hmm. At least that's what you know. We're, we're not sure that's really the case, but that's what about. do women do? What do you think women do? Oh, I think it's changing. I think women are stepping into their power differently. I think more women are leaving relationships or being willing to. Um, I know that from, you know, practicing divorce law, I felt like a lot of women were in their 40s when that was happening. Um, So they want more from a relationship. I also think a lot of women, it's career-based. Either returning to work, you know, I have a lot of friends whose kids are now in college and they're like, how do I spend my time? They've maybe been 
you know, stayed at home for years or kind of had part-time jobs. And so they're, they want to use the gifts they have and want to figure out a new way to, to exist where it feels more full and, and more like, more like them. I think the more women, and it's ironic because during the pandemic, women left the workforce. So now it's like, how do we empower women to start new businesses, start new things, be creative, work together help each other be creators and be leaders because we need that more than ever. So I think it's all about, you know, the rising from the ashes kind of idea of like what is next and, and supporting each other in whatever those decisions are. Um, So we're not suffering in silence. Right. Right. So you said you really felt stuff hit at 50. Um, I did a little digging into the research, the psychological research on like, is there actually a midlife crisis that's been sort of studied, researched, defined? Um, and the research is is pretty mixed, but I did find a really interesting study out of Australia that did find that um, our lowest satisfaction happens at age 45. Mm. And there seems to be a bracket of about 45 to 54 is the age range where people report their lowest satisfaction. So our feelings of being tired and confused and burned out and discontent and unmotivated, this is somewhat corroborated by this research Research. saying that, yeah, there's kind of a low point. Um, But I think what we hope to help listeners understand today is that there is a reason for this midlife crisis. It's not, or awakening as we're calling it, it's not just for not, right? It's here to help us burn through the first half of our life that's no longer working for us, to release the ego, to release all the persona and the ideas of who we believe we are, who we've been told we are, so that we can actually free ourselves. Brene called it the armor that's preventing us from seeing our gifts. We can free ourselves from that and actually step into our authenticity, our true nature, um, because time is growing short. Like at 45, you're like, eh, yeah. I'm maybe halfway done. Mm-hmm. I don't have the vast array of options that were there for me at 20. And so I think the disillusionment or the release of ego is such a necessary and beautiful step. It's just, it feels painful when you're in the midst of it. Yeah. I love the idea of it feeling or, you know, talking about it as it's part of the human experience. Yeah. It's natural. And so it's normal it takes, and it's it, beneficial. It's not that there's something wrong or you've done the whole first part of your life wrong. No. Or it's, it's an evolution that's natural to human beings. And so if we can embrace that and support each other in that, then lots of beautiful things can come yeah. from it. You know, my favorite, because I quote him in almost every podcast. Who am I going to quote? I know I'm going to quote Carl Jung, but this is a great one. He says that life really does begin at 40. Up until then, you're just doing research, (laughs) right? So real life, like really, and I think of that as we really start to settle into our true, authentic nature, right? We really start to be who we are. We start to slough off all the ideas of what we've been told we should be. 
-hmm. And we start to step up more authentically. And maybe even before then, it's not possible. Like I'm looking at some of our younger younger people in the room who are here helping us. And I'm like, oh, but it is hard to be fully yourself at 2025 because you're still figuring out what that is. And that's part of what age brings you. You're doing the research so that by the time you reach this midlife, you're like, oh, now is the time to release some of those things that really aren't me. But I think the problem is we're all clingers mm-hmm. and it's hard to let things go and it's hard to transform into something different. So we stay stuck in the old and then that's when we're miserable and unhappy and yes. stuck. And so, yeah. So I think midlife crisis can be like it can, we can have an event that wakes us up, like a diagnosis, um, a divorce, some really hard news. I also think it can be a little more subtle, just that sense of like, oh, I'm in a box. I can't get out of it. Kind I'm of on the hamster wheel. This feeling of not being content. Yeah. That just, it, and it, it's almost like your intuition a little bit. Like something's not quite right, but I, I can't don't put know my what it is. on it. Yes. And it brews over time. And. And I think that's the whole idea of the mind and the heart again, like tapping mm. into your heart. Really, what what is it that's not feeling right? Is yeah. it is it work? Is it my relationship? Is it, um, you know, my familial relationship? You know, my, you know, we we also deal with a lot of end of life things with our parents at this age. Yeah, it's so, like the time to tie up all those loose yes. ends. Of, Have the conversations. Yes, the hard had. stuff. Yes. So. Yeah, I think intuition plays a really big role in this awakening and and mm-hmm. I think we get we get little hits of it leading up to our mid 40s often that we might kind of ignore for a while but the the whispers get louder. Yeah. And sometimes you're right and a big event can can just like push someone into a very big awakening right. out of necessity. So uh, however it comes, I think I think for most people it comes. I believe it comes for everyone. I've said this for years. I'm like, everyone has one, even if you're not conscious of it. Mm -hmm. Or fighting Um, it. (laughs) And I want to point out that I think if for listeners, it has come as like a massive event that just blew them over or it's more gradual. Know that that's what you need. Mm -hmm. That one isn't better or worse or wrong Sometimes people need to be slapped up (laughs) over the head to say, pay attention. Something has to shift. Whereas for other people, the more subtle, slow version is more appropriate for their personality structure. So I think whatever way it comes to you is exactly how it should be. So I'm curious. Yeah. How'd it come to you? Do you know? Oh, um, Because you're 50. I'm, yes, Betsy. Yeah. I I think in, it was in my mid forties. Mm-hmm. Um, mine's been very tied though to my career and my like how I'm using my gifts and mm-hmm. understanding them, and not listening to all the external forces, but getting clear on how I want to use them. And so I know in my mid forties, um, both in career and relationship, I had kind of a lot of like, huh. What's going on here? And this doesn't, I should be, I should be at my I should peak. Be, I, should I should be, I should be. Yes. Um, Damn shoulds. Yeah. Right? And so in my relationship, I think we both ironically kind of went through it at the same time. And that was a fun house. Oh, really fun. <laughs> um, a lot of talking about it and individual work and then coming together mm-hmm. and then individual work and back together doing work. And so, 
um, there was an awakening in our relationship too that came with this. Um, and all of that work then kind of started to inform what it is I want to do with my time, right? What do I want this next chapter of my career to look like? Yeah. And you've watched me struggle over the last year of like, oh, you know, it might be time to let go of the traditional career. And Mm -hmm. I've wanted to go out on my own for some time and, and having the courage to do that. Um, it took, it's taken me a long time. Yeah. Um, but I'm finally at that point and there is a lot of freedom, but it, it, it did not come easy. The, the decision did not come easy. The, you know, confidence to actually say it out loud to more than you in a small circle of people. Um, but the freedom that came in that and the expansiveness that you that I felt, it, it's made it worth it as hard as it was. Mm. It's made it, it's made it worth it. Um, and it's really about me tuning into my own intuition and my own heart. And, yeah. and, and freedom, expansion and creativity are often the results of when you mm-hmm. sort of journey through this, that's on the other side is yeah. more freedom and expansion and creativity and authenticity. And I think you're, you're feeling mm-hmm. the, the beginnings of many of those things. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And, and I've definitely had, my body was talking to me too, if I'm being honest, um, my health, my, you know, physically how I felt, all of that was tied into this. And I didn't make that connection for several years. Um, but I look back now and I'm like, all the signs were, they were blinking, they were red flags, they were, they were all there and they were all interconnected. Um, so I think that's another sign to look for, uh, people is, you know, what is my body saying? Yeah. What about you? Cause yours was probably more yeah. physical. <clears throat> yeah. I think my midlife awakening started about age 39. Um, because I remember my 40th birthday party. I actually threw a big party at my house for my 40th birthday And I remember feeling really tired and kind of exhausted. At your own party? Yeah, my own party. And a lot of things going on at that time that I assumed were why I was feeling tired. And then I got, you know, a a fairly um, sobering diagnosis of having a bunch of autoimmune problems that had been sort of unchecked for a long time. And that sort of spun me into years of shifting my behaviors, you know, starting to meditate, changing diet, sleeping differently, and then also dove me into really deep therapeutic work, right? So it was then that I started to look really probably, it's good for me to talk about this in this moment, because now I'm, you know, eight, nine years into this process, which I think it has been a process for me. And, um, yeah, it forced me to like really with a fine tooth comb, go through all these different parts of my life that aren't working. So I did change how I was doing my business. Mm -hmm. I did change how I was treating my body. I did start to look with a lot of discernment. And again, it was a sobering process, but my relationships, 
um, understanding my own codependence, um, understanding how I was parenting, like it's sort of like it really started to shake me enough to the core because I think up until that point, I really believed I was a healthy person. Mm-hmm. Physically, and, and emotionally, from mentally, right? From the outside. I'm a yoga teacher. Yeah. I'm, you know, I, right. Like, and so I, that's maybe why this process has been even harder because I bought into the idea that I was healthy, that I was emotionally healthy, psychologically healthy, physically healthy. And so to get this diagnosis and then start to really move under the surfaces and start to untie like, oh, wow, wow, this is the reality. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, was in, was, has been intense. However, oh my gosh, I'm much more me than I've ever been in my whole life. Yeah. Right. I see that so many of those stories that I'd been told or culture had taught me, or I picked up in my family were just personas. They were sort of masks that I had worn, not knowing I was wearing the mask. Like I have a lot of grace for myself now, like not blaming myself for it, but realizing, whoa, those were just masks that you had on. And so it's forced me to really uh, go inward and down and figure out who am I? And really this all feeds into the whole wild woman archetype. Yeah. I've discovered that in this last year. And now you and I have been really traversing what that means in our own life and watching other women that are in the process. It also makes me wonder, um, it seems to me that book, The Women Who Run With Wolves, who we quote every time, that maybe it is a much more of a midlife um, sort of stir up for people that we get drawn to that book. Cause I think I told you I bought that book or had that book yeah. in my twenties and, and I started start, and I was like, yeah, uh, da, da, da. yeah, I don't resonate. And then I picked it back up in my forties and I'm like, Whoa, she yeah. wrote this for me. So there is a, a real shift that happens. I think so too. And it, the authenticity piece I think is so key to the midlife awakening because yes. it, it is, and the crisis piece, I always say, you know, crisis is all about sifting. It means to sift. Yeah. So it's letting go of the things that don't serve us, the, the, the masks that we wear, the, the armor, the jobs we have, the roles we play, are some of our, you know, habits that are not healthy. All of those things, as you start to release all that, then suddenly you chip away and what's left is feels authentic. Feels Your authentic more real. self mm-hmm. is there. And was there all along. You just have to let go yeah. of the things that don't serve you. And so, yeah. Um, and sometimes that process takes a couple of years and sometimes it takes a decade. Yeah. But what, what do they say the average is like 12 or 10 to 12? 10 to 12 years. Yeah. 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 And, and I do think that, that it's set up that way because the first half of our life up until maybe 40, we do, and I'm looking at the two youngins in the room, we do have to focus on um, developing our egos. We have to be good citizens. We have to figure out our job, um, make a living, contribute to society, maybe have a family. Like that's all necessary and important. It is like we do have this social contract in a way that we have to fulfill. Um, it's when we go after recognition and awards and money and prestige and all of that. And that's important. In fact, Ram Das has always said, you have to be somebody before you can be nobody. So you have to develop. Say that one more time. Yeah. You have to be somebody before you can be nobody. So we have to develop all these aspects of self 
before then at midlife were like, all right, now I'm going to strip it away and go down to the core of be being nobody. I feel like I'm about to be nobody. Uh-huh. Yeah, look at how excited she is. Yeah. The tw- 20-year-olds in the room are like, I don't want to be nobody yet. I'm trying to be some and that's and that's normal. It's, like that's yeah. that's how it's kind of set up to be. Ram Dass also says this is why often um Younger people, if they do some mind-blowing experience like a psychedelic medicine journey or do uh, major meditations go off for long periods of time, that it's it's they, they can kind of lose themselves and not really um, have a healing experience because they haven't developed their ego yet. Like you have to develop your ego first for safety and security and stability before you can start to shed that and settle into who you are. So the second half of our life is discovering our truth, I think, whereas first mm-hmm. half is sort of fulfilling these social contracts. Yeah. Just knowing the pattern of the human experience is so, um, there's a lot of comfort in that. Uh, I am, amen, sister. I've, but I feel like we should learn that younger. Like, Why don't we is, get a handbook when we're born? Like, know. here's the handbook of what to expect in your 20s yeah. and your 30s. Yeah. Um, Because so much of it is reflecting halfway through and and then talking to other people about, oh, you're in the same place I'm at. It's not it's not me. This really is part of the human experience and and a natural evolution. Um, You're like you're on schedule, like you're you're where you need to be. And there's comfort in that, that, you know. Um, because so much healing happens, I think in midlife too, yeah. or uh, the opportunity to heal you is bet. there and that healing heals the generations before and the generations after. And so, um, just knowing that that opportunity is so rich and, and it's there for everybody, I think is how we heal the world. Yeah. Frankly, I agree. I agree. But it does, it does require us to have faith that, (laughs) which is, again, I think why we're talking about this today is to have faith that there are these cycles, there are these periods of time. Once you hit the bumpy parts of midlife and you have to unravel and you have to let things go and you have to fall apart, that's also normal in preparation for the last half of your life where you just get to be you. Like sometimes I see older women, like I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this time I was on the beach and seeing older women walking on the beach and they're just, they're just themselves and they don't, they don't care anymore about trying to fit a certain standard or they're just, mm-hmm. and they'll say whatever's on their mind and there's no filter anymore. And, and it's they, like, they're just themselves and they look happy and they look happy. Exactly. A lot of times you're like, you can tell when someone is just, by just their, being themselves. Their, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I think there is, there's joy in authenticity too, that um, really we should all want for one another and for ourselves. So it's very true. I, yeah. I've seen those women too. And, yeah. I, and, and I'm always like, that's, I want to be that. You will be that. You're, 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 so. That's why you're, we're, that's why we're doing all this work <laughs> right know, now, so we can. Okay, so uh, what I'm curious about is the uh, the idea of midlife um, that suddenly is this wake up call that there are fewer options. 
and I am a person who likes to keep all my options open. I'm, I'm like inherently curious and it's sometimes hard to pin me down because I want to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of feel into all my different possibilities. And so I think I've always been a possibility junkie, right? Like I want to, I want to try everything, you know, like at a, a buffet. I want to sample a little bit of everything. I love buffets because I don't, you know, I don't have to commit to one, right. one entree. I get to try everything. But in midlife, it's sort of, there's this realization that life is finite. And so all the things like I can't go back and become a ballerina dancer at 48. Not that I ever wanted to, but do you see what I mean? There, there are things that we, we just, the choices start to get less and less and less. And I'm curious, like how you've dealt with that. Do you struggle with that? Like, it's like we said no to a bunch of stuff along the way. And so now there are fewer paths for us. And there's something to me that sometimes feels a little claustrophobic about that or restrictive. Yeah. Yes. And as someone who's kind of changed careers midstream, I would say that um, they're part of the unraveling is also an acceptance that as you know yourself better and you are mm. authentic, the paths, those things should fall away. Mm. Yeah, that's and a great perspective. Because I never was meant to do everything. I never was. I love the idea that I could have, and we should in our 20s believe that. But midlife is all about this is who I am, and this is where my gifts can be deployed yeah. in the most in the easiest, most natural way. Yes. And there's something way richer about that than suddenly just going to the buffet, if that makes sense. So totally. I think that that's the opportunity for all of us is we get clearer about how to spend our time. This is so good. I'm realizing too that when do you go to buffets? You go to buffets when you're in college because they're cheap and mm-hmm. you can eat a bunch of stuff. And then when you get older, you want to go to the fine dining restaurant where you get yeah. the very small portion of some well curated piece of fish that's got beautiful sauce on. Yeah. Yeah. So I So think- we don't need a buffet in our No, because we know ourselves better. We know ourselves better. I know what I, I, I know what I, I want on this menu I know and, what I want yeah. and I'm ready to ask for what I want. I'm ready to follow the threads to what I want mm-hmm. versus just willy nilly, like no, try anything. Try yeah. So I think there's the discernment that happens during midlife awakening is actually super fulfilling because that's good, Kate. Yeah. So I'm not afraid of that. Actually, um, I can still appreciate the ballerinas and you know, that's oh, come all on. You know, my knees, I could never have been a ballerina, but yeah, and, that, and there's, <laughs> there's, there's acceptance that comes yes. to of like, we're not, we weren't all put here for the same reasons. Yeah. It's like, it helps us hone our Dharma or what mm-hmm. our true life path is. We're all here in service and we all have right. a specific unique thumbprint that we need to bring to the world. And in your twenties, you can't know that yet. You're still trying to figure that all out. But as you get older and the paths start getting, you know, more narrow, or there's only a few paths, then I do think you're honing in more on, this is why I'm here. This is my unique set of gifts, which is why in that first quote, um, you, uh, Brene says, the armor prevents you from growing into your gifts. And it's, she almost has this like motivational piece of like, you're here, you've got gifts, get out there, be brave, be courageous, step up. Um, So there's also, I think that's a part of midlife is, um, and that happened to me 
in the midst of the pandemic a couple of years ago where I was like, I have all these tools and skills to share with people about crisis and trauma and mm-hmm. how to get through it. And I'm scared of putting myself out there on social media and I'm scared of putting myself out there on videos, but like, you know, this stuff, Betsy, quit playing small, mm-hmm. get out there, do it. And so I think that was also part of my midlife work is to overcome the fear of using my gifts in the world. Yeah. And so because of what people would think, right. Which is what we also start to shed in midlife is what people think. Yeah. I think, you know, we, we, we hear lots of women that cross over the forties and then their fifties and, and they don't care anymore. You really do release a lot of that, which is all just internal the internal yes but to me it's it always goes back to are you living in your head or are you living in your heart and i think when you cross over into those midlife times and you are doing the work you connect with your heart and what you really want and suddenly your head's not running the show anymore mm-hmm. and so you can let go of all of that external mm-hmm. input and judgment and um i also find that i'm like softer with other people or i hope i am i like to think i am because i don't I can accept that people are all at a different stage in this too. And so I hope that as I'm not caring so much what others think, I'm also not judging others like I used to because I don't walk in their shoes and I'm not, we're all in different places. So I think there's also, think how much brain space we spend judging or about others. Comparing, criticizing internally. Yeah. And so you just free up so much space to just be the best version of yourself and to live more fully and be in your, be in your own lane and your lane and you're in, in delivering to people and to yourself using your gifts in a way that has, you know, the most power as it ever will in your life, I feel like is the second half. Yeah. And so suddenly all that other stuff doesn't really matter. And so I hope that I am also becoming softer with other people and, um, I see that you are for sure. Yeah. Well, I pulled this other book off the shelf and maybe this is a good way for us to wrap this up. This is, this book is called the top five regrets of the dying. Mm. And this was a, like a hospice person who sat with people at the end of their life and, you know, talk to them and listen to them about, you know, what, what had meaning regrets. in your life? What do you wish you would have done differently? The number one regret, Mm. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life that others expected of me. Wow. Number one regret. Number one regret. Regret number two is I wish I hadn't worked so hard. (laughs) Right? But regret number one is, gosh, I wish I would have lived my life that was true to me instead of what other people expected of me. And I think that if we are willing to go through this midlife process and dig in and look at ourselves and do our inner work and and shed the armor and release what doesn't work, then we do step into a life that we're living for ourselves versus living for other people. Mm -hmm. But maybe if you don't give yourself the time to go through this process, then you just stay on a hamster wheel and you keep numbing and you keep numbing and trying to please people and do what you're supposed to do. And you risk miss out on the possibility of living your own life. There's so much to be said for when you are in your 
dharma, when you have found your purpose, when you're true to yourself and doing, using your gifts, it is, it's like, it's like the flow state. You're not, yeah. you, it doesn't feel like work. So number one and two go together. I think yeah. if you don't, if you don't do what you always want to do, it will feel like a lot of work. It'll feel like That's a lot of work. That's such a good point. Because you're avoiding. Yeah. But if you're in the flow of life happening as it should be, yeah. then it does become more effortless. Mm-hmm. So I think they're very, those regrets are tied together in a lot of ways. Beautiful. I feel like that's another thing we should think about much younger than we do. You know, the, the regret, like really getting clear on, you know, what do I, and, and, the, and when you have a crisis, like a, a diagnosis or you're faced with kind of, um, maybe not having as much time as you thought, people do tend to get very clear very quick yeah. on what their priorities are. And so I think there are checkpoints in our lives, whether they're milestone birthdays or they're moments when, you know, the kids have left the house, when women especially need to really be willing to check in with themselves about what they want. And we have to support each other in these conversations and yeah. hold space for them without judgment. And, you know, if, I try to, I think we also have, I, you know, things will pop up that I'll say, gosh, so-and-so would be so great at this, right? And sharing those ideas with people or jobs, I end up doing that in in my current role where I'll see a job and think, gosh, so-and-so would be great at this role. And so we also need to lift each other up to hold up the mirror for each other because sometimes it's hard to see it in yourself. Yes. So I think that's what, as women and being supportive of one another. I think that's something we need to help one another do. Um, because when you don't always listen to it when you, from yourself, but when others see your gifts and reflect that back to you, it's really powerful. Agreed. So and you've been, you've been that, you know, mirror for me. And I was just thinking that about you. I'm like, I'm so glad I have someone like you in my life to really, um, navigate this midlife period. Because it, it is, buddy. it helps to have a buddy. <laughs> Going through this. So that's our advice for everyone: yeah. go find a midlife buddy. You know? yeah, that's right. I think just as some final thoughts, I think we we need to not be afraid of this period in our life and and try to embrace it. It's messy and it's hard, um, but there's so much beauty in it. It just it requires some faith to trust, and that's a necessary process. It's taking us somewhere better. So can we trust that? And have a little faith. And have a little faith. Yeah. Thanks, Great. Kate. Thanks, Betsy. Have you been inspired by Tend Her Wild? Well, Kate and I would love to meet you live and in person for a rewilding yoga meditation and healing retreat in one of our favorite places, Nosara, Costa Rica, May 20 to 27. If you're interested in getting away and doing some deep transformative work with us, check out our show notes for how you can sign up. Come rewild with us in Costa Rica. And now the amazing singer-songwriter, Lissy Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week.